In this perspective series, you will see how the book of Nehemiah shows that you are uniquely needed. So the penultimate chapter of Nehemiah, chapter 12. And it kind of continues a theme we've seen already through Nehemiah. It's people heavy, listing the names of people. Again, reiterating the importance, uniqueness of each person. But then it goes on to this um, sort of the second half of Nehemiah 12, talks about the dedication of the wall to Jerusalem. And, and it mostly just is talking about music or worship, as, you know, like how they dedicate the, the wall of Jerusalem. Now, I'm fascinated by music. I, I love music, worship, sound. I love understanding about how the way God has created the world, that, that everything in the world is vibrating. There's a, a resonance, a frequency to all things. You, me, plants, light, animals, everything is, I, I believe, resonating still with the voice of God that spoke it into being. Um, you know, you've got concepts like entrainment, this idea of falling into sync with things that vibrate at the same frequency as you. Um, now, I can't cover all of that here if... Um, if either you disagree with something I've said or it's angered you or you're just intrigued by it, there's a talk in our commission series, which you can find on the foundryinternational.com website, um, that, that talks about worship and music. But I, I love it and it's fascinating, but I can't cover it all here. Um, you might not notice I've been trying to generally keep these to around about 10 minutes. I failed most times. I am almost certain they will fail today with Nehemiah 12 because um, I, I'm very passionate about this stuff. But what I want us to see is in the last few chapters of Nehemiah, they've been rediscovering and realigning themselves with what God has said, how he has commanded them to live, who he says they are, what their purposes and roles are. And what you see in Nehemiah 12, it says things like, as prescribed by, um, by David, the man of God, it says it in verse uh, 24 and 26. You see in um, verses 45 to 47, it talks about in the time of David, the role of the musician, dot, 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 and it carries on. So that prompts a question. What is it that David, this man of God, says about music, musicians, and worship? Because this chapter, after you get past the list of people, is all about them doing the things prescribed by God to or through David previously. Now, if you want to get into what David says about worship, music, song, all that sort of stuff, then 1 Chronicles is your book. And so you see in 1 Chronicles 23, um, David appoints 4,000 people to praise God with instruments and music. And so something of what's happening in Nehemiah 12 is following what happened in 1 Chronicles 23. It's declaring the goodness, the, the thanks, adoration, worshipping their faithful God. It's part of what they're doing as set by David earlier on. Now, it's interesting to see as well that the people that appoint the musicians in um, in 1 Chronicles 25, um, which is titled The Musicians, actually, um, a little side note, it says the people set aside for ministry of prophesying accompanied by harps, lyres, and cymbals. See, something of Nehemiah 11, something of 1 Chronicles 25 is about musicians helping people to hear um, the word of God through prophecy. But what you see in 1 Chronicles 25 is the people that appoint the musicians, you would think it's basically, you know, kind of the heads of houses or musicians or people who have heard. No, no, no. It's not the leaders of the people or the priests. It's the commanders of the army that appoint the musicians. See, music and instruments are, are a part of warfare. The Old Testament is very, very clear about it. The Hebrew um, word um, is keli, 
for an implement of war uh, or music. It's kind of used interchangeably. Same with the word, Greek word uh, hoplon is can either be used for armor, an instrument, a weapon, or a tool. See, when they're referencing back to the instructions of David, this man of God for music and instruments and worship, we, you cannot separate it. And, and the more you look at it, you see clearly that music Worship, song, instruments is an offensive tool for war in the spiritual realm. And actually what you see, we'll, we'll come to it um, in the next talk, the next chapter 13, is that as they start to distance themselves from God, as they start to kind of stray further away from God, it's tied to them stopping these acts of David. The musicians kind of go back to their day jobs and, and they're kind of lost. The musicians and Levites, sort of, you know, they're not cared for and they return to their own fields. Now, it's always good when, you know, you, you're hearing someone talk or you're reading something in the Bible to say, okay, that's maybe interesting, but so what? What does Nehemiah 12 mean for you or for me, especially if we're, you know, not musicians or anything like that? What, what does this kind of mean? Well, here's the so what. Music is incredibly powerful. We have at our disposal an incredibly powerful weapon of warfare in, in our life and in the spiritual realm. And when we choose to individually, collectively use our instruments, our, our voices, it's much more than just singing some songs. It's much, much more than just the kind of the, the thing you do at church in the morning before you kind of hear the talk. It's, um, it's not entertainment. The idea that, that music in church is a form of entertainment is horrendous and offensive. Music is a powerful weapon. You know, you, you look at what the world says about music and and research shows that it reduces anxiety blood pressure it can um, reduce pain improve sleep and improve kind of the quality of our sleep our moods um, our mental alertness memory music as the world sees it is incredibly powerful because that's the way god has designed it but when you look at what the bible says about music and worship it is even more powerful a weapon than the world says now there's um there's a musician Daniel Daniel Bernard Romain, um, and um, there was a quote of his which I thought was lovely. I'll read it for you here. It says, he says the reason I think music's so powerful is that sound actually penetrates our bodies. You know when someone says a piece of music touched me or moved me, it's very literal. So the sound of my voice just now is entering your ear canal, moving your eardrum, which is a very intimate act. I'm literally touching you when you speak. You're literally touching me. And then when you then extend that to the principles of instruments and things, it's just, again, it's not a biblical quote, but it's just a fascinating fact about, about what is um, physiologically happening when I'm speaking or you're hearing an instrument. Okay, so, so, so what? what? What's the purpose of all of this? And it comes to heart. You know, what is the heart behind the music you're listening to? You know, if it's true that music actually penetrates us in a way that other things might not, if it's true that it has physiological impacts inside of us, if it's true what David said, what the people in Nehemiah said, what God spoke to them about is that the music and instruments and our voices and song are weapons of war, then what's the heart behind your music? What's the heart behind your song, the things that you're listening to? You know, if, if, if music and worship has a direction, a, a focus of what it is doing, and it has to come from someone's heart, then it has a direction. And so what are you soaking yourself in? You know, I, if I was in a, 
and living in a place of warfare and I was constantly listening to enemy propaganda, that is going to affect my view, how I see the world and how I feel about what is happening. Now, I'm not saying, therefore, all the Christian, all the music you must listen to must be Christian. Actually, there's a whole bunch of Christian music that's heart is wrong. It's about um, money or industry or profit or attention or prestige. It's not as simple as just saying, just listen to songs about God and you'll be all right. But the fact is that if we are not alert to understanding the power and the influence of music and the heart behind it, then we're missing something of what God is speaking about. And so the, the, there's something rich about the dedication of the water Jerusalem, their use of music in the way that God ordained it to be used. Now, um, it's really interesting, a very small change um, in sound changes your perception. So um, don't worry, I, I probably the piano would be better this form, but um, this is the, the key of C. Okay, I'll play it up here instead. Okay, now if I play C minor, the sound instantly changes from this kind of happy sound to this much sadder sound. I pull that strange face. But see, the only difference between C major and C minor is 37 vibrations per second. There's a, there's a small change. The E goes from E to E flat, and the change that's so E natural is um, 659 hertz. E flat is 622 vibrations instead. Like a very small perception, a very, very small change, 37 vibrations per second is the difference to our ears of the sound between a happy sound and a sad sound. See, very small things have a big impact. It can be the difference between the feeling of happiness or sadness. Music is an incredibly powerful, that's just a slight geeky side, apologies, but, but music is an incredibly powerful thing. And so what does Nehemiah 11 says? It says, well, music is a powerful weapon. And if it's used with its heart directed to God, we can hear God speak more, we can worship our creator, it can be used as a weapon, against our enemies, or we can be worse from it. We can become unengaged. We can, we can use this powerful, heart-changing, heart-shaping thing negatively. So I want us, me and you, to just be alert to this fact. There's no simple so what of saying, well, so you, all your music must be Christian or all your music must be this one. But I trust, actually, that if before God you are alert to the power and the influence of music, God will start to show you how you can use it to change your view of God, your view of the world, of what's happening around you, and to maybe find some ways to actually remove some things. It's one of the things that since I've, um, for about the last year, been starting to read and learn and understand more about this. Actually, there's certain music that I've loved in the past that has just become... Uh, tasteless for me like I've just I found you know I'll maybe start listening to it because it's an album I love and I just like actually this this doesn't satisfy me in the way that it used to and there's a lot that might be wrong about some of the Christian music scene and things like that as well but God loves you and he has given us a gift of music this incredibly unique thing to be able to do what David says, to, to kind of declare goodness, thanks, adoration, worship to God. 
to be able to help us be in a place of hearing God better, this prophecy, to use it as a as a weapon to repel lies around us or you know, basically like spiritual attacks around us. But all music has at its heart a direction. And so I really simply want to share that with you and want to encourage you to, before God, just ask him to show you how to use this incredibly good gift from him in a way that blesses God, but also is good for you. God bless.